Well, welcome back, everybody. This is episode number, um, uh, I got to get this right, 44 of the Flatiron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. So we have got Dussex with us, Scotty's in the shop, and we have another special guest with us. Uh, on this episode, we have got Sean Murphy joining us. And so, Sean, the reason we, we wanted to talk to you, one is just we, we really had a, a couple of good conversations about Time Attack lately. And you've done a lot in the realm of time attack. And you are one of these people that uh, is famous or infamous or a little bit of both for having a car that really makes people just scratch their heads. Um, and and Scotty is, is kind of moving down that path and, and is kind of, you know, having some more and more people come up to him just like how how are, how are you doing what you're doing how, how's your car going as fast as it is yeah. and and you kind of kicked off that whole movement and, and have definitely kind of been a little bit of an inspiration for for us for for Dussex especially i think and and for super people in general and so that's where i wanted to start is is just kind of talk about maybe first and foremost how you how you found time attack or how you gravitated towards time attack and then i definitely want to pick your brain about kind of the the process uh, or the development process of your car and kind of how you got it to do what it what it does yeah for sure um it, it kind of oddly i started out uh, in motocross I, i've always liked cars and bikes and stuff like that but i raced motocross for a while and kind of realized that got a little dangerous and sure had to have a mortgage to pay so i'm like you know what best option after that would be uh road course racing on motorcycles because that seems super oh. safe. So way safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did that for a little bit and uh, that turned out to be a little dangerous as well. And I was actually at the time I was using my Subaru. It had a hitch on it and I would trailer my bike down to the track and that's what I'd use to race. It was my daily, but uh, after the bike stuff and getting more family oriented, I'm like, you know, I probably should do something a little safer. So that's when I, I just got into the Subaru and we did a thing called a uh, winter cross out the track at a, when it was okay. Millard. And uh, we just raced in the winter or whatever the conditions were on track we run. And it got to the point where I'm like, I want to take this more serious. And uh, mm -hmm. they did a thing called lap battle, which was essentially mm -hmm. just like NASA, just with really no rules at all. So it was a kind of a, a wild west uh, scenario out there. And uh, they got rid of that. And that's when I jumped to NASA. And I just started uh, kind of doing what most Subaru guys do is they kind of overbuild a car. For the street, they make it ridiculous power, but they forget about aero and brakes and yeah. wheels and tires. And so that's kind of how it all started, just from motocross all the way into realizing that uh, cars are probably the better option. Sure. Well, and and so, I mean, getting involved in NASA, how how is it that you kind of got pulled from that into the time attack realm? Was it was it just that was kind of like the, the first point where you could be competitive with the car? Or was, was there a different kind of draw to that kind of event? I, I really like time attack just because the will to will guys, um, I wasn't interested in doing that, especially with, with the Subaru in particular. Um, it wasn't exactly the most reliable platform. You know, you get, you know, three, four real good laps in it and the car already started to you know, heat soak and get hot and act up a bit. And I really didn't want to wreck the car. Um, yeah. And so I'm like, you know, That's... time attack was, uh, I, I dug it just because it was, it was these wild, crazy cars that were, you could do whatever you wanted, essentially, just pick the class you wanted to fit into. And um, I really like that aspect of it, where you just go out there and you could do a flyer and then you could do a couple cool down laps. And it wasn't like it was stressful, but it wasn't. So you mm. kind of got to just go out there and do your own thing. Sure. Well, and, and you don't have to worry as much about the other cars on track. You're not competing for position. A little exactly. you know, less physical wear and tear on the car, yeah, at least hopefully. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
makes perfect sense. Well, and then, so once you, once you started, once you decided that you wanted to compete in time attack, like what was, what was your first plan? Like for the, for the build of the car, like where did, how did you kind of start moving in that direction? Um, honestly with that, it was, uh, it was pretty basic stuff. It was like, you know, the basic cob bolt on stuff, um, a little bit bigger turbo and, uh, like brake pads. And I thought, I thought I was going to be set and I was going to go out there and just, you know, I was going to do so good. And I remember the first couple of events, uh, having Miatas just walk all over me. And I'm like, (laughs) first thing in my head, I'm like, nah, they're, they're cheating. There's no way that thing's got to have me 500 (laughs) hours. I have like 350. And, uh, that's when it really woke me up to, uh, it's a lot of, it's not necessarily about the car. Um, it's just about the driver and figuring out their car. And, Mm. uh, it really humbles you out real quick. And so, it was it was really basic build stuff, minor suspension stuff, and just had him had my butt handed to me by Miatas out there, and uh, realizing that there's a lot more involved than just um, bolting on some power and thinking you have sticky tires at the time. Isn't sure. that mm-hmm. such a funny wake up call? It's oh, just man, like I, I, this this car's amazing. I'm going to go out there and, and and just kill it, and then it, yeah, the, the Miatas. Um, I think the the first one that really blew my mind was a uh, was an EK Civic that mm-hmm. just he I mean he embarrassed me. <laughs> you know? and, and that was one of those things like uh, I I guess I really need to figure out how to actually drive this thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, and so how did you how did you kind of it sounds like maybe you you focus on progressing as a driver then like did you yeah, did you I, just try and get more seat time or, or? you know I. I've always, my, I think my biggest problem was, is I'm such a car guy. I love building cars. I have a 72 Chevelle and I've, I've built that up and that I love modifying things. I love building. And so that would, that kind of took over, but it, I, I would take steps forward. I thought, but they're really just steps backwards. I, you know, at one point I was making almost 600 wheel horse. Um, I thought I had like, you know, good, you know, uh, R1 on their tire and mm-hmm. had some BC coilovers and I would do stuff. I'd research on the internet arrow wise and, I thought I was going the right direction, but every time I would try to go big power is what it seemed like. I just got slower. I mean, I'd have hmm. awesome, you know, front straight speeds, but the car was just terrible. And it took me, and I don't know if it's just because I was just ignorant to the fact, but it took me a, a, probably two years, three years, maybe of, of taking those steps of just trying to fix the car constantly because I just pushing it so hard with all the power to realize that that's not what you need. And, I had so many good coaches out there, like from, you know, Cole Powelson and uh, mm-hmm. one of the guys who run NASA out there, Matt Guyver. They would always tell me, it's like, you need good tires and you need to drop your power down. It's like, you, you're going to be in, in a class where you're going against, you know, super trofeo Lamborghinis and I'm not wow. going to beat those cars. So yeah. once I started listening to them is when it made a huge difference. I went down from like 600 wheel horse to like 430. And at that power level was where I was, you know, breaking track records and going the fastest I've ever gone. When they're like, you need a better tire. And I'm like, well, everyone says a Hoosier A7 is great. And before I was running R1s that had like 35 heat cycles on. And right. that would be like the front left and the right rear would have 10. And I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I had no idea it mattered. And so once I started actually listening to the, the veterans out there and they were had my best interest at heart um, is when the time dramatically you know, started to drop. And I, I think once I got that figured out is when I could actually focus on suspension setup and you know better dampers on there and uh actually do a real arrow on there not just like my first splitter was a, a wyoming a welcome to wyoming sign that i got from the nice. the highway department that i cut up and nice. you know i mean it worked they were great to hit cones with but 
not exactly functional. Gotcha, man. That's that is such a good point to make. That you know, you're if you're slower than another car, like as a car guy, it's just so easy to gravitate towards power. Like, yeah. well, I'm just I'm just not as fast as these guys. They're beating me by two, three, four seconds. I must need more power. Mm-hmm. And it's you had some good coaches there to kind of like, well, try this out, try that out. It's absolutely those 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 things like like brakes, tires, and suspension are the kinds of things that when they work, they really work, but you might not be as, as aware of them. Exactly. Brakes, yeah. brakes, uh, maybe a lesson. Like when, when brakes don't work, uh, alarm bells usually go off <laughs> yeah. pretty quickly. But like with suspension, it's just, it's, if it's working, it's, it's very easy to kind of miss that detail. Yeah, but really like, but then once you, once you figure out how big of a deal suspension is and tires are, um and it's like you you can't go back like like no, yeah, exactly. you know these 36 heat cycle like 10 year old r1s <laughs> or whatever and a brand new set of hoosiers it's like this is a night and day difference you, oh you know, yeah you can't go back to that yeah very cool well and then so once you once you kind of got that once you kind of got that package together once you realize okay well these are these are the things that are priorities did everything kind of fall together pretty quickly or was there still a lot of development of the car that, that had to take place from that point on? You know, actually it did fall together pretty quick. It was like in 2016 is when I started um, to get the car to just work properly for me. I got the suspension set up uh, with Cole's help and the, the tire pressure stuff set figured out. And once that happened, um, it was, it was strange. There was track records that I, I figured I would never get and they were from great drivers and I would get them by three seconds. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then the next event, I would get the next track record and then the next track record. And then in 2017, I was beating all my track records. And the only changes to the car I made was seat time. Like, I think in 2017, I didn't touch the car. I did oil changes, made sure it all ran good and just got seat time and listened to everything. I would pull out my my little solo pro um, and have them go over the data. And they would, you know, the guys at Life would be like, this is what you need to change here. Um, a guy named uh, Chris Stone uh, used to work for Life, great driver. Um, he, there was one session he just looked at it and he said, okay, right here on this corner, you're breaking terrible. He goes, I don't even know why you're breaking like this. I kept destroying. I was like, I was boiling Castrol SRF. And they're, oh, like, wow. they're like, you can't boil that. I'm like, well, obviously you can. Um, and I'm like, well, maybe it's just a car. It's super, it knows heavy. And they're like, no, you're doing this wrong. And literally just tell me how to brake better. I went out there and took a second and a half off my time. And it was just those wow. little things where how we talked about how you say it's so easy to throw power at the car because you can feel that as a direct correlation. You know, you're, you picked up 10 miles an hour, not straight. And you feel that the power pull you, but to just brake a little different, it didn't feel different to me, but it obviously translated to a faster time. And so it really, it really did fall together pretty quick once I um, got out of the, the mindset of, just throwing stuff at the car. I really needed to throw stuff at myself to, uh, to just become a better driver. Wow. That is, uh, that, that is not an easy place to get to, but once you, once you kind of have that realization, that's, uh, that's when big changes can happen for sure. Yeah. That, is, that it is so easy to, to blame the car and blame the equipment. Oh and, yeah. And, uh, and I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, like you said, with the, with the tires and the suspension and stuff, there are, there are, there's a threshold where that works, but it, it's everybody you're, you're in that car together out there on the track and you as the driver, you've got to make sure that you're using the, the car to the fullest of its ability as well. And that yeah. is sometimes for some of us, that is a, that is a hard realization to, to discover. 
exactly. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta really look past yourself. I've, I've raced with a lot of guys out there who are pretty new, but they, they have a little bit of money and they'll go out there with, you know, an old Pirelli race car. When I say old, like two years old. And wow. I mean, we're talking a half a million dollar car at the time. And, and I beat them in a Subaru and they get upset and they're like, well, you're cheating. You're doing something. And it's like, man, I just have a lot more seat time. It's like, once you oh. figure it out. And some of those guys now, once they did figure it out, they're actually doing pro and pro-am races. Um, sure. And it, it just took them to get like a, a good, you know, trainer coach and, and some would actually teach them how to drive better, but it's hard for certain people to get out of that mindset where like, obviously it's not me. It's something with the car or that driver's right. cheating or that stuff gets thrown out a lot when it's, it's not like we all, we're all competitive people in this sport and we, we get a little cocky, I think. And then once we can reflect and look back and be like, you know what, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. And I can start listening to other people. Well, and one of the funny details, kind of like back to your, your breaking point, like, and my guess is that when you, when they were focusing on one corner and, and saying, you know, change the way that you're using the brakes in this mm-hmm. corner, my guess is that for that time, you were kind of rethinking the way that you're applying the brakes for the whole lap. So not, exactly. not specifically just that corner, yep. but when you, when you have an experience like that, it can, it can just, it can be, hopefully if, if you're open to it, it can be an aha moment to realize, well, wait a minute, if I'm using the car differently here, I'm carrying more speed in, or I'm, I'm lifting off on the brake more you know, sooner. So I'm carrying more speed through mm-hmm. and just feeling what that does. Like those kind of experiences can, if you, if you realize it are telling you like how you put input into the car in, in terms of steering, in terms of brake, in terms of throttle, all of those inputs have an effect on your overall lap time. Yeah. And so it's, but that's, that's again, is one of those, it's one of these really fine detail points that can sometimes be something that's difficult to, to comprehend or difficult to figure out. But I mean, it sounds like, geez, a second and a half, like once you figured it out, you, you just moved right along and, and on to the next thing. Yeah, it really was. Uh, it, it was a, eye-opening moment when he when he showed me that I was yeah like I said it was one corner but I applied it to every corner there and once I felt because to give you the idea what I was doing before when I was braking I would uh come into a corner and I would ease on the brakes and when I got slowed down enough I'd let off instantly and mm-hmm. that would just throw the car like it would you know it'd start to oversteer on me and stuff and they're like what are you doing you're mm-hmm. like you need to get hard on those brakes and then release slow and they're like when you think you're releasing slow enough release slower like because I wow. promise you you're, you're, you're still going too quick and the moment I did that I was like it was so frustrating. So I'm like, man, I cannot let off any slower. I know I'm slowing my times down. And mm-hmm. that one lap was a second and a half. And once mm-hmm. I realized that, they kind of told me, well, focus on what the car does when you do that. Get the get hard on the brakes, get that front down. And then when you start releasing, if you need the rear to come down a little more, maybe come off a little quicker, get the car to rotate. And once wow. I understood how it wasn't like with my Chevelle, come in a corner, get on the gas, I can rotate that car wherever I want. Sure. Well, obviously on the Subaru, it doesn't quite <laughs> work that way. And so once I realized how the car worked and how braking and steering handling inputs were um, allowing the car just to flow through a corner, it, it was a, a world of difference for me. Now, Sean, what, what corner was that? So if you're on, uh, let's go to um, West Track and you're on the back straight. So it's going to be corner number four. So I think I can't remember. It's not. I don't think it's Black Rock, but it's when you're you're the 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 back straight of one of the fastest straights there, and it's a, a like a 180 left, and so it's okay. almost like a little double apex right there, and that was where I was just hard hard on the brake, um, but it was where because I'd be on it easy easy easy, and then super hard, and then let off instantly, 
And that was probably one of the worst corners to do it because it is almost a double apex corner. So then I'd be mm-hmm. flooring it and then almost have to get on the brakes again. And it was honestly, it was a mess. And it was almost <laughs> embarrassing to show them the data sometimes because they're mm-hmm. all such great drivers over at life. And it's like, man, I can, they're all family to me. I'm like, man, they're going to be so like disappointed in what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, me I mean, and Scotty I, do that with each other all the time. <laughs> We're always disappointing each other. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the, one of the hallmarks of a great great instructors which it sounds like i mean you you were very fortunate enough to work with is that like they they know that there's a process there's there's a progression for everybody and -hmm. like all of these things everybody has to find them out and figure them out in their own way so i yeah i mean i I guess i would say never be never be too afraid of showing your data because i mean yeah if 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 they're giving you grief about it then well maybe maybe you should show it to somebody else yeah and i definitely am now i'll definitely show anyone at life and and cole and chris both like they will look at all my stuff whenever i get a chance because i'm not embarrassed anymore before i was i was timid about it and i didn't want like i'll just figure it out i'll ask questions but that's not how it works and so once i kind of got over the fact that you know you're not as good as you think you might be go ahead and show them this data and then they're like wow this is what you need to do make changes like oh they're not being dicks cool and it's (laughs) after that yeah and this so a lot of this change this was in like the, the 2017 where you said you basically almost didn't touch anything on the car and yep. you just focused on seat time. Yep. And so from, from the beginning of 2017 to the end of 2017, without really changing anything on the car, I mean, can you, can you kind of quantify how much, how much time you picked up or how much faster you were at the end versus the beginning? I want to say, um, cause I mean, since the R track has a force, you know, tracks out there, most people talk about outer loop cause it's kind of everyone's favorite. Um, sure. I, I went from the point of running, like I was like hopeful to break the two minute mark. Everyone wants to do a 159.9. That's our goal. And I barely touched it. And by the end, I did a 57 flat. Wow. And yeah. there was nothing changed on the car. <laughs> like I, I literally, I, I didn't mean, I did one alignment, I think that year. And I know wow. the alignment was off by the end of the year. And yeah. I just didn't want to mess with them. Like the car is working. I want to focus on me and how, the, how I feel in the car. And so I didn't touch anything. And so it, it definitely made a big difference. Man, that's awesome. Three seconds yeah. to a tow time that like going into the year, you're probably just like, if yeah, 159.8, 159.7, you're looking for tense. And yep. you knocked off, knocked off three seconds just by, by technique and, and analyzing your data and finding, finding different ways to use the car. Yeah, and exactly. that's it. That was at 430 horsepower? Yeah. Okay. So and wow. I was ju- I was just out there um, uh, w- last month, whatever, for the Enduro. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I drive in TT3, you know, and, and we got out there Friday night and basically did the track walk. Austin Kent yeah. basically gave me a bunch of pointers. And that's another person that is for a TT3 what is it? E46 and three. He is fast. He is flying. I mean, yeah. two, two awesome. threes out there. And I mean, I think he's making 280 or 290 horse. Something like right, right there. Yeah. And I mean, he, he has figured that car out and he's, he has definitely spent a lot of time on progression, you know, but after our first session on Saturday, he was like fourth or fifth fastest overall out of the, out of almost 40 competitors. Yep. You know, and so 
the fact that a TT3 car is getting down to what he, his personal best, new personal best at a 203 something, you yeah. know? And so with what 150 extra horsepower, 157s are possible out there. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's just nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Austin it's, is an amazing, he's such a humble guy. And I've watched him kind of go through the, the paces of just figuring his car out and stuff. And he's, it's, it's weird. He kind of came out of nowhere because uh, he, he doesn't brag. He doesn't talk much about himself. He doesn't talk himself up. And he kind of came out of nowhere with his BMW. And then it was literally within a couple of years, like he's the fastest guy out there in that class. And right. I mean, and, and, and even in like TT2, you can put him out there in TT2 days and heck, even some TT1 days, there's guys out there that he still, he still walks over. So yeah, he's yeah. a great guy to learn anything from. Man. It just goes to show that like you, you can't, it's so easy to equate power and what the lap time should be. And mm-hmm. if you, if you have that in your head, then that can really get in the way of like, you know, thinking what's possible or, or pushing yourself to like really try and extract the maximum performance out of the car and out of yourself yeah. as the driver. Cause you're just like, ah, oh, there's no way I could do anything faster than a 205 if I'm, if I'm so down at power to these guys. But yeah, yeah. If you, if you just get that out of your head and just, just really try and focus on the car and what you're doing. Like it, it's crazy what sometimes is possible. Exactly. Well, and so, so oh, go ahead. Sorry, Nessex. So Sean, so I saw your car like in the beginning of 2018, I want to say, or the middle of 2018. Uh-huh. And man, that thing is like still light years ahead of my car. My blue car is right now. And it's just, I remember seeing it with the big, like the big tires. I think it was just chilling on two ninety fives or three Oh fives you know, almost smooth bottom, big wings, you know, like I'd like to hear like the evolution, like from even in 2018, where the car is at, like how it's moved even from then and there. Yeah. So, um, from 2018 up, it was, it was kind of a rough, uh, a rough go of it. Um, had a couple of engine problems, had some weird, unique failures. Um, the motor was pretty worn out after 17. That was the, I think that motor went three seasons. And uh, it ended up uh, throwing a rod. And so uh, 2018, um, uh, after we got the motor all fixed up, is when I ended up having a, having a kid. And so mm. that definitely slowed things down a little bit more. So 2018, 2019 slowed down a lot for me. But evolution-wise of the car, I, I kind of just made things more, just tried to make things more reliable, really. Um, Arrow-wise, I, uh, I did a little bit different front splitter. Um, the wings stayed the same, had the same flares, still run the 315s, brakes didn't change. Um, honestly, it was more it was more motor stuff, reliability stuff, uh, making it more efficient cooling-wise, um, changing some ducting up on the radiator, little things like that is, uh, is all I really did. So the evolution had changed. Right now, though, um, after my little incident I had in the car, uh, I'll be posting some stuff up about that. And so will life uh, a little before and after the, the cars made drastic changes. And I, I think you'll mm-hmm. dig it, Ryan. It's, uh, it's pretty wild looking. It's, it's got some way new arrow. The car's going to run the same, same power, stuff like that. But uh, the arrow's way, way different on it. And um, it's, it should, I've already done a little maiden voyage last weekend of his first run. And surprisingly it ran solid. And this is probably the first time I've ever felt arrow that worked. It was, it was oh weird. I mean, obviously, you know, you can tell your wing works. You can feel the drag on it a little bit and the rear downforce, but never had a splitter that I could feel doing something. And yeah. this is the first time I can get the car up to like 120 and it starts to get stable. Like it's still planted. <laughs> wow. So it's, it's, it's pretty wild. So hopefully this week I'll get it. I'll get some photos out there. Of what it, it's ugly. It ain't the prettiest car right now, but I think it's going to be functional. 
And then none, none of that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's, yeah. It's actually better that way because then, then it's like, how did you beat me in that? And especially when it looks like rough, you know, how, yeah. how is it that you're beating me in, the, in this rough looking car? Exactly. Well, so, so you kind of breeze past it, but I want to hit on it. So you're, mm-hmm. you're running 315 tires. Yes. Right now, how, what did you come up to, to? Like, did you go from 295s to 315s or like, how did you make the decision to put that enormous of a tire on the car? So I, I went from a 275 wow. and okay. I was, uh, I was talking to Matt Guyver out there and I'm like, okay, so based off our rules and everything, I'm like, what do you think I should do a smaller full slick or the biggest DOT slick I can run? He's all, well, you're not going to get contingencies for a full slick. So he goes, go with the biggest, you know, DOT you can fit on that car. And okay. I, I honestly probably could have went smaller just because my wheel itself is only a, a 10 and a half. I believe Hoosier recommends an 11 inch wide for that 315. Um, even talking with Hoosier though, they, they're like, it's going to be a minimal difference. <clears throat> so it's, it's nothing to worry about, but I kind of went just as big as I possibly could. And so I, I threw the 315 on there and had to make a, a couple fender changes, a little I bit bet. of a couple adjustments. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh the mo- literally the moment I did that, I think the very first day I ran those Hoosiers, I didn't even know what tire pressures to run. I was totally guessing. And I think I picked up my first lap was a, a little over a second faster than I've ever gone. Wow. And it's was like, wow. And so, yeah, the Hoosiers were, in, in my opinion, they are probably the, the best cheating tire you could ever have. Sure. They are easily the, the best tire on the planet. Wow. And, and now when you went to the 315s, Mm-hmm. Were there any other changes other than just clearancing? Like, did, did you have to adjust any kind of braking? Did you have braking issues with it? Because now I've got all this extra grip or was it pretty much just bolt on this big, big tire and, and then it just kind of all fell uh, into place. No, I, I, I had to completely relearn again. Um, all my braking zones were different. Um, oh. I was finding myself coming in. It's like off the front straight. I mean, my car is, it's, it's kind of a brick. So it's, it's I'll be touching 137, 140 and I would start braking and I'm like, okay, well now I'm almost stopped and I'm not even in the corner yet. Just those tires <laughs> oh, man. They would stop you so quick. So I had to relearn every brake zone. Um, and same thing with like when I could uh, start applying throttle, um, how I was trail braking, everything changed. And so it, it took a little bit to figure it out. I think it probably took me, I don't know, maybe two or three uh, days to get it sorted. But once I did, it was, it, it was second nature. Sure. Wow. And, and so how much... Like, I don't know, I, it's kind of a weird question, but how much more mechanical grip? Like, can you quantify, like, from a 275 to a 315 just on mechanical grip alone? Um, you know, like, I, I know you have to relearn how to use that, all that extra grip. But, you know, I mean, if you had to say, of like, maybe you picked up 10, 12 extra miles per hour in a corner because of that. Is there a way you can quantify that at all? Uh, it would it'd be tough just because the 275s I went from were uh, the BFGR ones. Mm, and okay. so I never had a Hoosier beforehand. Um, oh, okay. The, the biggest thing I, I noticed, though, with going to that Hoosier, and I don't necessarily even believe it's the size of a Hoosier. I think it's just compound. Because I think I could probably run a 295 and be almost just as quick mm. with it. Um, there, was, there was times, and now I understand why all my instructors – back in the day would be like do not put a, a slick on your car until you figured the car out because it'll make you a worse driver yeah. and i get you it now, there were there was yeah. corners i was just goofing off in and i was flying through them and i didn't even have to like, be knowledgeable of how the car worked just because the car hooked up it went where you wanted it to go and so it 
it was it's wild how sticky and grippy okay. those those 315 hoosiers are and so it definitely makes sense why they tell people don't start with a slick like get a, <laughs> a, a street tire that's uh, you know an ultra summer performance tire because these these slicks are they're going to teach you some bad habits yeah well and, and in part is because like when you when you have a tire that is not that grippy there, there is the one best line will be the fastest line, but then mm-hmm. every other line, if you're, if you're not really hitting and, and using that tire perfectly, the fall off is, is pretty significant. Exactly. And so like once you finally figure out what the best line is through the corner, you could really feel that difference. And then you realize, okay, well now that worked. But then if you have yeah. a tire that's so grippy like that, I mean, you could like almost do like just completely wrong lines to the corner, but to a certain extent, <laughs> you've got so much grip. Yeah the car is just going to do whatever you, whatever you're asking it to do. And it, yep. and it won't feel that much different. Yep. Until you, until you get like really like towards the limit, but that, that limit with those slicks is, is way higher. So it, it takes a lot more like experience and, and we'll say maybe courage to get to that point with the slick tire. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, courage is a good word to use. Cause you know, I don't know if anybody knows or not, but seriously, Sean's car was, has definitely been an inspiration on my car. Uh, I mean, it's on 315s now, and, you know, there might be some blue-green, you know, throwbacks to the old Murphy Mobile, but, <laughs> um, but I mean, when I put the 315 AL52s on and took it out to, like, Road America, and as soon as it was dry, I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I went to NCM, a track I'd been at a couple years, you know, consecutively. Like, the car was so scary, like, so frightening. It was like this whole, like, it jumped so much just with the tires that, it was this, this terrifying thing. I mean, it was awesome, but it was like my body was feeling stuff that had never, ever felt before just with the tire change, like with the width change and all that stuff. I mean, there's lot, definitely a lot of truth into it for sure. A lot more grip in the corners and such. Carry yeah. I mean, my at NCM, which I think was like the best comparison for me, pretty much the same power when I went there the year before. I had picked up, I think, seven seconds with uh, just the tires and the weight reduction. So like for me, oh, wow. I, I, that was like a shocking amount, uh, you know, of change for a car. So <clears throat> it was, especially for such relatively minimal changes. I mean, just, just adding yeah. a much bigger tire and more grip and taking a little yeah. bit of weight off. And, and that's mm-hmm. a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous over here. I'm still rocking <laughs> a 245 Hoosier. This is my first year actually on an A7. I've been running the, the R7s for a few years, but this was the mm-hmm. first year I put on an A7. And I mean, just, just that in itself from the R to the A was a, a huge change. Like you talked about, like, um, figuring out breaking points mm-hmm. you know, j- just on a two forty five from an R to an A as like stopping, you know, at, at turn in. Um, yeah. but so, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, stepping up from a two forty five to, to anything like a three, three Oh five. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> It, it is a huge difference. Oh, man. Well, and so, Sean, you said something else that was interesting to me. So you're even for now, the, the build of the car or the adjustments you're making in the car, still reliability is, is one of your main considerations. Yeah. So as, as somebody that, I mean, you work on car, you're not, you're not shy to work on the car. Why is reliability such a priority for, for your race car? Um probably twofold. Uh, when I first started, the car was just constantly having issues and concerns. And I learned that every time that happens, you're missing on seat time. 
you can't mm-hmm. get out there. You, you're you're dealing with a car that's breaking up or losing oil pressure, or you know your PCV system can't keep up, something like that, mm-hmm. where it just it hindered you from from racing. And so it, it started off with that for reliability. I wanted to be able to get in the car more and spend time in it. And then it, it ultimately broke down to where just the cost. I mean, especially all the super guys, we know that the motor's going to go. It's going to let go, especially when you're pushing big power and you're on the track. Um, and it's it's expensive. You, I've thrown two rods and I've had the car catch on fire a couple of times. And it's uh, if I couldn't work on my own car, I, I, there's no way I could be in this sport. Yeah. And so it, that was those are the two biggest things. Getting seat time and just keeping costs down. Cost of consumables and, and yeah, just just make it so that you're you're worrying about like getting things you want, like like the big tires and and the Hoosiers, versus yep. like scraping the budget together just to get the car running again, and then mm-hmm. kind of like whatever whatever's left over is is your tire budget or if exactly. you even have a tire budget. It's funny yeah, because I, I people, that's why. Oh, go ahead. It's funny because people look at Subarus and like their first go to mod is power. But it's somehow it's because it's cheap and easy to make power to an extent on these things. But it's somehow it's also the most expensive thing to break. Like when you like, like, oh, let's put all this power in it. And it's like, oh, and then it breaks. Like, all right, well, okay, there's $10,000. All right, what's the next thing? And it's like, (laughs) it's so funny how we get caught in that trap. Yeah, I think it's It's, it's just enjoyable having a fast car. It's fun, especially like with my car. It's still street legal. Well, in Wyoming, pretty much everything is. So right. it's fun to rip the car around and, and uh, it's enjoyable on the street where like now it's not. It's not fun to drive it all on the street. And it's it's all right. It's peppy, but it's not like uh, the 600 horse you know car it was before. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like power is the is the cheapest initial investment, but it's the most expensive long term investment. Yeah. It's like it's like the, the, the lowest cost of entry, but like it can be this this real drain on on a budget long-term, especially if you go like really big and, and you don't like address a lot of right reliability considerations yeah. for the engine. And then all of a sudden it's just, you're, you're kind of chasing your tail just to keep the car running again. Whereas mm-hmm. like you, you look at putting on a, a huge set of like, I'm guessing like 18 by 11 inch wheels in these big Hoosiers, like that seems like a really big investment, but like long-term, if you can get the speed and be fast and all you have to do is put new tires on it, and, and not stress the rest of the car as much that actually mm-hmm. can save you a lot of money in the long run. Oh yeah. Tons. Are we glad that uh, big brakes don't have rods? They just have only pistons. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> just pistons. Just pistons. That, that's it. That's a no good ring uh, lands. That's right. No <laughs> ring lands or, 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 uh, or rods in, in a brake caliber. <laughs> or bearings. That's, or bearings. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I mean, so Sean, what do you think, I, I'm guessing you, because it was your car, it was your daily driver. It was the first thing you started tracking. I mean, that's kind of where, mm-hmm. how you started with the Subaru. Um, do you, do you think that the Subaru is still like the mm-hmm. optimal platform for doing what you're doing? Or like, if you had it to do all over again, do you think you might look to a different platform or, I mean, what do you, what do you think about like where you're at and, and would you, would you do anything differently? Yeah, I, I, I always get, I always joke about this because I think I made a huge mistake doing it with a Subaru. <laughs> yeah. um, I think Subarus have such a cult following. They're just, they're, they're a cool car. They're fun. They sound great. And they're just, they're enjoyable to drive, but they have a lot of flaws. And um, when I first started, you know, those flaws, I didn't, I didn't notice. And then mm-hmm. I got, I got a little too deep. I think like with Ryan, too, you look at our cars now from when you get them stocked to now, 
we're too far to stop. You can't, yep. I can't go get into the car now and start over. Yeah. I couldn't even fathom the cost of that. And yep. so I, I wish, I wish I would have started me with a different platform, but I'm really thankful I stayed with this one. Cause if I would have been, you know, I think like a great platform would be an S2000 or a Corvette. I think those are great platforms. They're fast. They can pick any class they want really. And they work well and they're reliable cars. I mean, obviously all cars have their faults, but Subarus have a couple more than others. Sure. But I don't know if I would have made the same relationships and friends and um, new family members, in my opinion, if I didn't have a Subaru. And so sure. I, I think it went a little further than, than just that platform being just a kind of a, a not a great car. But yeah. I mean, truthfully, if you wanted to go out there and stay in like a, a lower class, like stock power levels and just do really great brakes and nice suspension, I think a Subaru is an awesome platform because you can keep, you know, fairly reliable. You have to put a little more money into them for oil cooling and like better sump and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. I think it's still a great platform on the, the lower side. If you got yeah. the, if you got the budget and the know-how um, you can do the higher end stuff, but obviously even, even the higher end guys, I mean, look at life with their GTR. That's a great car, but yeah. they, uh, they still have those same problems. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, obviously we're all Subaru people. So I, I, I think that like the community is, that's a, I mean, that is a huge thing with Subarus. There's mm -hmm. like the, the people that are into Subarus, they are into Subarus and, and, yeah, it, it is a great community to be a part of for sure. Definitely. But I, I think that like every platform is going to have its issues. I mean, it just, unless you're buying a turnkey race car that was built as a race car and engineered as a race car, any kind of street car they're going to modify it. It's you're, you're going to have to address something here or there. Most definitely. You know, it's like think about yeah. the Corvettes and like all the overheating issues that they've had on some of the newer models mm -hmm. where it's like mm -hmm. you, um, you know one of the guys that, that comes by here mike pettiford who races corvettes got got one of the new ones he literally could only do one hot lap before the car started to overheat yep but i think that like with subarus the, the key point is everything that we've touched on earlier which is like like you said there there are issues with a subaru but once you know what those issues are and you can address them properly then yep. then that takes them out of the equation and the, the car can be reliable and uh, there is just something when it when it's all working right. There's definitely something fun about the Subaru all-wheel drive platform and mm -hmm. how much like how you can get the car to be so light with the all-wheel drive. And yeah, there's there's it's it's definitely a mixed bag. But if you if you stay in like that T3 T2 range and, yeah. and don't go for crazy power, then I think that's that's definitely for for most of us the sweet spot for these for these Subarus. Yeah, and like well, you were saying with the all-wheel drive stuff, it's just amazing how well they function. I've had other guys with, um, like you were saying, like these proper built, like true race cars out there, and I come out of a corner and they can't catch me out of the corner yeah. just because yeah. how their all-wheel drive system works. You, a couple good diffs in there and stuff, and these things are just—it's like riding a, a bull because you come out of that corner, and you're just you can floor it and just wrestle it a little bit, and those things they hook and they yeah. go. Yeah. 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 The center differentials and you start putting a good or a good rear diff back there and everything mm -hmm. is start talking. Yeah. I've always laughed at like when I had my Matt DCCD, the Matt DCCD just creates grip where there just didn't seem like there was grip there. Yeah. Like, oh no. And like, oh, okay. Yeah. That was, that was nothing. That was barely an inconvenience, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so, yeah, it's super fun. <clears throat> yes. Super fun. Go ahead, Scotty. You're going to say something. Well, I was just I, the whole picking a different platform. I mean, if I had to do it over again, and I, I, I don't know if I would have picked a different platform simply because of the fact I think there's something really fun about embarrassing people in a Subaru. <laughs> um, you know, it's there's there's just that that uh, 
Well, I, I've, <clears> I've been to Utah. I've seen the, the Lamborghini Trofeos. Yeah. I've seen the amount of money in some of those cars out there. And the, the just embarrassing people in a Subaru is fun. It, <laughs> it, it, is just, it is just one of the funnest things that I think I've ever felt. Because people do not like losing to the Subarus. No, they yeah. don't. Yeah. Well, there's something that's kind of, I mean, especially in your case, Scotty, I mean, your car isn't like super wide, like, you know, like uh, Sean's car is. But when you're seeing like Corvettes, you know, Corvettes, and then there's like this Econo box with a big wing on it, and then like <laughs> Corvettes and BMWs and stuff, I think a lot of people like it just sticks out like a sore thumb sometimes, you know, where it's like, that doesn't even doesn't even add up that doesn't even compute you know but it, i mean it does obviously that's why we do it you know obviously right. i don't know i it's fun to do it that way but i don't know if that's why we do it but i mean it is yeah. fun to just like have the car sitting in the paddock and then it's literally these subarus in the middle of like these actual i don't know designed as sports cars that have been modified mm -hmm. even beyond that you know <clears throat> yeah well and it's it's you see a lot of these bolt-ons but what what's bolt-on aero parts but what's what's really cool is now that te the technology and the design involved in like wings and like some of the the front splitter technology it, it's trickling down to the point where it, it's it's attainable and there's enough there's enough information out there is a diy person you can you can put a splitter on the car and, and get it to be pretty darn functional mm -hmm. without having to put the car into a wind tunnel or, or anything like that mm -hmm. but it's like you know it's like somebody with, with one of these like factory built race cars, you see, you know, something like Scotty or Sean Subaru or one I where you've got these things that are bolted on, like, like, <clears throat> like they look like they were made in, in somebody's garage because, because they were, because <laughs> they were, but, yeah. but the yep, crazy yeah. thing is, but they also work. It's not, this is not like somebody that's got a, a giant rear wing on a civic that's, you know, on stock wheels and just driving around town. <laughs> there's, there's actually a purpose for the, for a lot of these things, put on the car and they actually make a difference and they make the car faster. Uh -huh. And if you, if you discount that, then, then that's, that's a lot of where the shock factor comes from. Oh, definitely. Well, and, and speaking you, about arrow, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Dussex. No, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I got something to bring up later, but I, I okay. want to tie it in with uh super reliability, but later. All right. Well, so, so Sean, I wanted to ask you about arrow because like, so yeah. three fifteens, huge tires, huge mechanical grip. And it sounds like you've had an opportunity to kind of rework the car. And it sounds like a lot of that opportunity has been put into developing the aero package. Yeah. So, I mean, was, was that because, because you had, you know, the, the car needed some work and you had the opportunity to change a lot of things. And so you could, or, or did you get to a point where you felt that if you were going to go any faster, that that was the next area that needed to be addressed? Uh, it, it was kind of both. Um, after my, uh, my wreck, um, I had to replace parts there. There was no, they were, they were pretty well gone. So, but there were things I wanted to change anyways. I wanted to, I had the cognition wing, um, great wing, but a little bit of drag and not as efficient as other wings. So I wanted something better, um, always have. And this gave me the great opportunity to go with something different. I went with an AJ Hartman dual element, uh, Swan neck. And then wow. same with the splitter. My other splitter was, uh, because Cole hooked me up with, uh, like a, there's only two ever built for a Corvette Pirelli, I think car. It was a splitter that I had a, a guy wow. add on to fit for my car. And it was, a, it was a cool little piece. It wasn't super wild, but it definitely did not survive the wreck. So I got spade sport built me one. That's uh, 
ridiculous. It's huge. The car looks very silly, but um, it's it's super functional. I've always wanted to go bigger. I wanted to before I went for looks, and I was that guy where I'm like, I want the car to, to fit well. Mm-hmm. But now you look at all the other time attack cars, and a lot of their stuff, um, I don't necessarily think looks the greatest. I look at like the world time attack cars, and some of those mm-hmm. things look awful, and uh, but they're functional. And so yeah. I had to kind of remind myself about that that I needed to uh, do Use function of reform. Yeah, not what was yeah what was pretty. So it was I essentially just wanted um to go bigger and I, I kind of always have so I have my splitter I built to the rule set and as wide and as, as far up for as I could go um wow. did some end plates on that and so it was, it was kind of I, I've always wanted it but now I was forced to do it and and so is that the biggest the biggest changes that the speed sport front splitter and then a much bigger rear wing yeah th- those are the biggest um I put a stock bumper back on I used to have a big cutout in the front just for airflow um so I just I, I left it pretty much stock but made some way better ducting on it um kept the same flares um but i reworked everything so that the tires aren't you know in the airflow anymore pulled them out a little wider uh did a little bit bigger side skirts um i got rid of the the windshield cowling so i don't have wipers or anything anymore but i built a block off there so it's you know it's flush with the hood to the windshield anything i could do to make the car slippery because i was i always knew the car was terrible on the the top speed wise i mean i could hit I think I hit 158 on that front straight before, and that was 600 wheel horse. Wow. And the Lamborghinis are obviously going much faster, but they're less horsepower. And it's just the cars are slippery. And so yeah. I'm trying yeah. to give the, the car all the benefits it can um, because they're just a brick to begin with. Absolutely. I think yeah. my top speed on the front straight on the outer track, I think I hit 128 once. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things of like, I would get such a better run out on like out of turn 15 onto the front straight and, and like the, the, a better run out to where I could pass people, but then cars with just more power would just walk away from, yep. from the brick. It, it's like I was standing still. Um, see, yeah, that, that is one of the biggest things I, I did the same thing last year, just trying to make my car more slippery because yep. they really aren't. That they're bricks. They're they're not aerodynamic at all. No. Um, so yeah, anything that, that you can do a big in that challenge. Anything you can do in that that area is going to be huge. I'm excited to see the car. It's 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 fun looking. It's uh, it's man, it's ugly right now. But I'll uh, I'll get it one color and uh, it'll it'll be pretty good. I built a new diffuser for it too. Is it was surprising that little accident it wasn't even a big one, but man, it it touched almost every corner of that car and. And, and messed it up pretty good. So I had to, had to do a lot of new stuff. Man. Well, but taking your time to do it the way that you want to do it, not scrambling to get the car back on the road and cutting corners. I mean, it, it yep. sounds like there should be some, some significant improvements when you, when you bring the car out again. Yeah, I really, I really hope so. I know there'll be, there's a couple of corners out there that are real high speed stuff. And that's kind of my favorite. I love high, high speed corners. And there's a couple out there that I've always had to lift a little bit in fourth. Um, I'm really hoping now with these changes, it'll just be a, a flat, you know, fourth gear corner now. And once I can get confident in the car again, it'll be, I think that I definitely will pick up some time. Nice. Or, or lifted fifth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's yeah. turn one, man. I, I'm kind of excited about the thought. Turn one has got at, uh, you know, on the outer loop has got so much potential to carry speed and it's yeah. like such a chicken shit corner for me, you know, where you're like, mm, nope, I can't do it. Yeah, It'd be awesome just to see it just stick through there and then you're breaking into two and then build them back up again. 
yeah, 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 for like, me. <clears throat> yeah, uh, turn one, I've, I've always been, it is a tough one because you got to set yourself up for two. And on two, yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I've always had buddies. I had a great friend out there, Travis Tidball in a Corvette, and he was a direct competitor to me. And this is what I love about this, this sport is he was behind me and he's like, dude, why did you break in two? I'm like, well, so I can make two. That's why I break. And he's all, dude, just lift a little bit. I'm like, really? I'll just lift and go. And sure enough, I lifted and went, and then I was faster than Travis. And it's like he knew he didn't <laughs> yeah. have to say a word to me. And he gave me that pointer, and I figured it out. Yeah. And so, yeah, now, now I'm, I'm actually not scared to do that, which is not a great idea. Because I'm like, I can't do this corner <laughs> flat. And then I oh, found man. out I can't go flat. And thank goodness <laughs> I have good suspension that can absorb those, the gravel out there. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's one of the cool things about time attack is that because you're just running for time, I mean, you, you there are guys that you're running against, but it there's, I don't think there's as high a level of competitiveness, generally mm-hmm. speaking, not in all cases, but generally <laughs> speaking, because you're just, everybody's running to make their best time versus like for, for straight up position. It's yeah. just, it's a different environment, which is, that it's another reason why there's, there's a big appeal to time attack versus, versus wheel to wheel. Yeah, and I think most of the guys out there that I've been running with forever, we all know at the end of the day we're getting a five dollar trophy and right, yeah. you know, and bragging rights. And and most of us out there, like one of my buddies, uh um Brandon, he races with makes and models and I've raced with him in Subarus and now he's in the Lamborghini. He gets to run those out there with him. Wow. And even even those guys, like they're they're no different. I got friends in, you know, little civics to guys that are running full race cars that will give you the exact same advice, invite you over mm-hmm. for dinner. Um, state their houses where it's this crazy little community where I don't know if you would get that in any like will to will pro race group guys are secretive. They they're hiding all their stuff because yeah. obviously there's more to gain, but not with us. Well, right. just, yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're pitted. You're literally pitted against each other as a driver. Yeah. And, 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 and it's just, you're, you're kind of, everybody's out there running their own race. Just y'all happen to be on the track at the same time. You know, yes. It's more of an accident than, than, with the wheel to wheel stuff. Yeah. All right, Dustix, go ahead. What, what are you going to say? So is it crazy that Sean is still a wet sump car? <laughs> mm, I wouldn't say it's crazy, now, but all that arrow. <clears throat> I think it's pretty crazy. It's always been one of those things that is like, well, Sean's still wet sump. Maybe I, I don't know. I'm too scared. Uh, I'm at the point where I want to be dry sump. <laughs> yeah. I'm no, making I, the honest- money to invest. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I've gone back and forth, back and forth. And I was, uh, I had the killer B set up their basic one before, and I know it's not the best setup. Um, I know I've, that's why I've had bearing issues and stuff before. I mean, it works great. It, it really is a good product, but I don't think it's optimal by any means. And I, I was worried with this new arrow, what it was going to do. And I, it was, uh, I don't remember like six, seven months ago, I posted up asking because IEG has a new version. And so did killer mm-hmm. B what was the best version out there? And JJ from IAG, I had a small sponsorship from them uh, like over a year ago. And he says, what's your address? And he shipped me their whole new stuff. I'm like, why are you shipping me? He's like, you're sponsored. I'm like, JJ, I'm not sponsored anymore, man. That was a while ago. He's like, no. He goes, uh, I still owe you some stuff and I'm more than happy to help you. And I'm like, cool. wow, for the owner to come out and just yeah. you know, offer this stuff to me was, was amazing. So that's what I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try this and see. They, I mean, it, it makes sense, but ultimately I do believe you know, a dry sump is the way to go with Subaru's. Oh man, it, watching some of these top level guys and their reliabilities, even with, uh, you know, a dry sump setup, it does make me a little nervous. So yeah. I, 
I'm just waiting yeah. for someone to make one that's like, that's perfect. And I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that's definitely gonna be my, my next go-to. And it'll probably be right when I blow a motor up. So when I'm like, okay, yeah, it's going to be dry yeah. some. Yeah. Well, yeah. hopefully it doesn't yeah. come to that, but yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, I think that if that it's funny with Subarus because I think if people think like uh, you're saying, you know, there's, there's issues with the Subaru and, and certainly engine reliability is probably the first thing that comes to people's minds, <clears> but <throat> the oiling system is being part of that is probably not exactly what comes to people's mind. First and foremost, it's probably, yeah. you know, pistons, ringlands, that, that sort of thing. But All I mean, but bearings. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it's like there, if you start with a car that is factory dry sumped, you, you have such a leg up, like when you get to the point where you're going to be touching maybe two G's in a corner mm -hmm. or, or heck, even more than that for yeah. sure, because there's just so much, there's so much going on there with the side loads and the oiling system that, that basically the dry sump removes that variability. Yep. Um, but if to take a dry sump and put it on a car that didn't come with it, that is, there's some heavy lifting involved there. Yeah. And, struggle. and yeah, but it's, it's a real but struggle, but I mean, we, we, this is something that we've been wrestling with a little bit and we're, we're finally, I think in a decent spot. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, where we have to put it, the, where we have to route lines, everything that we had to do in order to even get this thing to work. But three years later, I think we kind of haven't figured out, but I mean, still not a hundred percent sure. It's still more, yeah. more testing. <laughs> more testing yeah. is required. Yeah. But, but it's, proof it's, of concept. You're in the proof of concept phase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I, it's one, one of the reasons that we put it on the car. I mean, we're still on a stock engine on the Pikes Peak car and, and it's not making a ton of power, but it's because it's like, I know that that oiling system is, is a real, is a real pain point and, and mm -hmm. related the PCV system. The PCV system yep. is tricky on these cars, especially when you're getting high G loads and especially when you're getting up into that, you know, 400 horsepower range and above keeping, keeping the oil in, in the <coughs> engine where it needs to be and, and, and not dealing with uh, or, or, or properly dealing with the issues you can have with the PCV system is, is, is hard. Uh, it's not as easy as it would seem and, and things like, you know, a good aerial separator or catch can are not as much of a, slam dunk solution as it would seem mm -hmm. once you get to these high high g loads and stuff like that mm -hmm. so that that was kind of the inspiration is like all right let's let's jump down this path and figure all this out because i know that there this is a puzzle this is going to take mm -hmm. a little bit of work but then once once that's all sorted then it's like okay well if you want to add 150 horsepower or or 315s and more grip i'm not nearly as worried about it from, from an engine reliability standpoint but yeah. we're getting closer we're not i wouldn't say we're 100 there but we're getting close and very grateful that we've got, you know, the guys at Roger Clark that have been kind of yeah. really steering us because they've they've got a ton of experience with these things. And yeah, once we once we stopped kind of guessing or or like and really <laughs> just going, all right, just just tell me tell me what we need to do. Like I, I'm not going <laughs> to guess anymore. Just like yeah. in fact, just show me a picture. Show me a picture of exactly yeah. what we need to do. Yeah. And then once we got all the 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 lines run exactly like this is what we do on all race cars. Okay, perfect. And now that we're doing that. Now it's finally yeah. finally starting to work as as we expected it to. But yeah, yeah. When you're talking about the PCB system, I was actually um, I had like the Crawford, uh, you know, AOS, and I modified it to like flow a little better, have bigger fittings and such on it. 
but after you know four or five laps i would fill that thing up pretty much that i it went it vented to another catch can and that thing was i was emptying it all the time and so i actually tried that um killer b the oil control valve the valve yeah that was the biggest game changer for me when it came to preventing filling up a catch can I mean, obviously, it doesn't fix the solution of keeping oil in the pan, but it, it, <laughs> I, I wasn't draining a quart of oil every second. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's. Do you just pour back in? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not when I'm running ethanol, I don't. Yes. No, yeah, I, I know. It, it's funny how little things like that, I mean, it's it really, it has a big effect on reliability because, like, mm-hmm. you're, you're out there driving, you want to you have seat time, and it's like, you know, how much, how much maintenance are you going to have to do between like from, from this sessions to this session, Mm -hmm. just to get the car ready to run again? Like even, even little things like that. I mean, it it can really kind of get in your head um, just as far as like how, how many steps, how how much work are you having to put in between sessions and then go out there and still drive? And it's like, yeah, it it makes it a lot more labor intensive and it just kind of can kind of make it so that you're not able to really think about what you're doing. Like instead of looking Mm -hmm. at your data, and thinking about how you're using the car or how you're driving. Instead, you're playing around with your catch cans, your aero separators, and trying to figure Changing out your the oil timing levels. Belt. <laughs> Changing yeah. the timing belt. Yeah. 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 It gets, it gets me, interesting. Me and Scott have done that. I, we were out chasing, <laughs> uh, trying to get that last little bit of lap time. I knew that was in the car. And then one of my cam gears started coming apart. And I'm like, we got 15 minutes to swap this cam gear out. And I mean, me and Scotty busted that thing out and went out there. And all the car tried to do was just kill us. But it was nuts. I mean, like you're saying, like that stuff you don't even think about. Like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. Like the more stuff you can like take off that task list, the more mm-hmm. room it gives you for like that emergency. We got to do a timing belt swap right now, <laughs> which is totally stupid. It's insane <laughs> to be even having that to do does, that. But. That does not sound enjoyable like at all. <laughs> no, it was hot, so, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so like one of the things like me and Ryan, like he's running the, the super Taiku car and, mm-hmm. and my car has been pretty reliable this year, but we've spent more time just going over data and not yeah. thinking about the cars this year. And it has yeah. been amazing. You know, you, you get out of the car, you're just like, huh, I'll check pressures. Maybe I'll put some fuel in <laughs> and okay, now let's go over data for the next 35, 40 minutes, yeah. you know, w- without stressing about anything. And I, yeah. I think that's been one of the, the, the biggest things about like, like you talked about reliability, mm-hmm. you know, if you can make these cars to where, where you get out, you just have to do a couple things to prepare and then eat lunch, have a snack and then go mm-hmm. over data, hang out, do, do anything else besides stress on a car mm-hmm. between sessions. So. Man. Yeah. It's, it's, that's Definitely the dream for sure. This yeah. year, <laughs> in somebody else's pro belt race car, definitely spoiled. Yes. Well, and so Sean, just I'm I'm curious. I'm curious. Do you have a guess how much of an impact this this new era package is going to make? Do, do you just have any kind of inkling yet, or is, is it just too hard to guess? Um, 55s. You, ultimately, that's my goal. Wow. I, I want a 55 on outer. Um. It, the funny thing was when I ran that 57 flat it didn't feel fast and I made mistakes. Um, so I know the mm-hmm. car before uh, is faster. Like with a, even with me, I mean, obviously as a driver, we all have improvements. We can always get better always. And I know that car has more in it where it stood. And now I know um, that car should be a 55 car 
with, with no problem. And with a really good driver, I think it, it, uh, there's no reason it wouldn't be lower than that. But 55 is going to be my goal for sure. Man. Very nice. What about uh, what about two two thirteens at Coda? I you know I def- <laughs> I need to get out there. I know I know I know I do I do. And they, even I, I just got married a couple weeks ago, and and my wife is like I don't know Hi, why Corey. we're not doing it. <laughs> and yeah. so she's she's pushing me hard too. And it's uh it's always been tough. It's been it's been a couple things for me. It's like financially it's tough to do it. But man, I'm not gonna lie. Like and I think a lot of race car guys are this way where the anxiety and the stress it causes me is like overwhelming. And, uh, like, I'm like, I am so jealous of you, Ryan. Like you're so upbeat and positive constantly. And like, you're living the dream of like us race car guys, you're doing it. Like mm-hmm. you're not being a pussy. Yeah. You're, you're out there doing what all of us want to do, but we're scared to do it. So like, I wish I could have that, that same character and mindset you do. Cause I need you. I need, like, I have you and Cole, like, why are you doing this? Go. Let's go. They keep yeah. it cold. Yeah. In time, he's like, put it in the trailer. Let's go. Like, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Next time he says that, dude, just put it in the trailer. You got brother in his arms there. I mean, between Cole, obviously, is he's seen the track at a faster speed than any anybody else who's ever seen yeah. it there is going to be, you know. And we got Subarus. Um, I think uh, we're going to bring the, the hill climb car out there, too. I mean, we're hoping. Spoilers. For, uh, Spoilers. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> no, pushing forward hard. That's that's the plan. That is the plan. We're we're talking about super. You say spoilers, battle. but we literally talked about this two two podcasts ago. Of course, yeah, we did. <laughs> but they don't know that yet because they haven't seen that yet. <laughs> but uh, oh, they but haven't yeah, seen I mean, this brothers, yet either. That's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Oh, good point. Brothers okay, in arms, man. Brothers yeah. in arms. I'm telling yes. you, like I'm shooting for a two seventeen. I really want to beat JC's time, but I mean, I think that yeah. I I think if you go out there and you got the little crazy button and you can pick that track up fast. It's, it's so fast and flowy like that, like Utah, that it'll feel like second nature. I think Utah is such a good kind of like tempo to kind of yeah. build you up for that track. It's not like, you know, a tighter, more technical track. There's so much room out there. You can just pin it and get that tempo right, dude. You're just going to fly out there. Yeah. And yeah. you can go 180 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that all? Just 180. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the thing about that track is top speed is, I mean, there's two big speed zones there that I think, you know, that's where JC left a lot on the table. His car's still kind of draggy. And I think yeah. he was maybe 160, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where, um, that's kind of the same top speed that, uh, Jackie Ding went and they both ran two seventeens. So I know that there's that, that is a, a limiting factor there too. So For sure. So yeah. I'm keeping my arrow package small just to try and make sure I can break the 160 mark up there. Hopefully. Yeah. Which is well, man, it's faster than I've ever been. <laughs> we're, we're definitely thinking of, uh, or we're planning to go to super lap next year, early next year. And man, if we can, if we can get other supers out there. I think just the more, the more supers that we can get out there, the better, just like I said, get, get the Subaru brethren out there so we can support each other definitely. and hopefully have, have fun at the track. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, it's just there. There's there's a lot of people that are talking about that event. I mean, it's it's like yeah. it it went off this year, but I mean, it just it was the first time back, and I don't know. It's just I think that there's like all of a sudden this renewed excitement for for next year. Like there's there's yeah. a lot of people that seem to be setting their setting their sights on on Coda uh, early 2022. That could be a fun yeah. event. Yeah, no I think mind. it's I think it's definitely going to be a fun event. 
And instead of people saying, who's Sean Murphy, they're going to be like, fuck, I want to see what Sean Murphy does. Like <laughs> Sean Murphy's a badass. He, he makes me and Scotty look like little peasants, man. I mean, no. it's so awesome. Just I, dude, 57s at, at Utah is just bonkers, man. That's that is deal. just, that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so. The amount of time me and Dussex have spent talking about what you and that car will do out of Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, guessing. Yeah, yeah. Now, now yeah. you've got to bring I mean, it out there to just yeah. kind of like, all right. Well, now no now pressure. Know. You know, <laughs> no pressure. Exactly. you had anxiety or performance anxiety yeah. before. Yeah. You know, I'm sure we're helping. Yeah. But well, and that's, <laughs> so, I mean, that's I want to. I just want to ask. So, Sean, is it is it because it's a new uh, a new track some, somewhere that you haven't been? Is that is that kind of like uh, where it's just it. it it is not as easy to just kind of pick the car up and, and head out there as it as it could be. You know what? Honestly, it's it's all mind games for me. It's it's all like personal. Um, for sure. me, I we had this you know this race last weekend, and I I could have got the car out there just to test it, but one of the main reasons I didn't, and it's stupid because it just holds me back, is I didn't want to disappoint, and I didn't mm. want to go out there and just test the car out. I wanted to go out and put a fast time down, and okay. for myself and for just my friends and my buddies. And I wanted to show them what, you know, the hard work paid off. And it's really a, a big mind game for me to go out there and, you know, like to go to Coda and then be like, everyone like, wow, Sean did a, you know, a two twenty. what the hell? And it's like, it's, and, and I always do like, even when I go out to, to, you know, Utah and I race, I've been on that track hundreds of times. And every time I go out, I'm like, man, I'm going to bomb it. I'm going to do so terrible. And I go out there. I'm like, wow, that was fastest I've ever gone. Weird. Mm. And so I, I always, I, I always do, I do it to myself really. And I just mm. need to get out of that mindset. I just really need to just, just quit being a pussy about it and just go. It is funny how little things can just kind of creep up. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, I think that's, that's totally natural. It, it happens to the best of us. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those like, yeah, expectations are difficult to, to balance, but then like new environments, new tracks, like learning a new track, there can be a lot of stress associated with that. Yeah, it's. I, I hope you can work your way through it and and uh and, and get out there. I, I know you no. can. But I, yeah, definitely. And, and you're right. Like it's the new track is is scary, and it probably would be if I didn't have the connections I do. But I can literally just like with Ryan and Cole and yeah. any of my buddies. All those guys. Those guys I've never even met. That you know, we're friends on Facebook. We're just car yep. dudes. Yeah. There's not one of them is gonna be like, no, I'm not telling you. And like yep. all of you guys yeah. give me pointers and the secrets and oh yeah, we have nothing to hide. And so. I'm, yep. I'm actually not too nervous about a new track just because I have so many, I have insiders for every track in, in North America. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How, how many tracks have you driven on? Do you think, I mean, would you, or would you guess? No, I, that's, that's the bad part. Like I've been to other tracks and like just cruised around on my own car, but I've only been like competitive at, um, at Utah. Ah, uh, okay. I've never, okay. I've never been anywhere else with that. I've done motocross other places and stuff like that and drag racing, but never had that car anywhere else. Sure. Well, I mean, for one, it would be cool to get you out to Coda and, sure. and cool to free to experience a new track. But one of the one of the motivations could also be that, like, if you go to a new environment, you might figure something out at this new track that looks, you know, you're, you're learning the track from scratch. You're, you're learning, you know, these different corners, but maybe you'll find a little kernel of of, of an approach or knowledge that you can bring back to to a track you're more familiar with and take a corner a different way and, and find some. Time oh, yeah. Way. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, Man. I think you'll find too that the environment is so driver centric. It's so much more fun. Like, 
I, I feel like that Jason does an amazing job on like making us feel special, you know, like yeah. these are the people you're coming out to watch. Like these are the people you want to see. These are like, and it doesn't feel like it's like a performance thing, like a performance anxiety thing. It's more like, uh, like let's, let's take our hats off and honor what these guys are trying to do because that's what super lab battle is. Super lab battle is more like the homage, like paying to, you know, the excitement of time attack as much as it is seeing what kind of times like the top cars are going to do because yeah, they're, I mean, they're talking about what the slowest cars are doing. They're talking about what everybody's doing there. And it's such like, it's such a cool environment and it's really super, super chill, especially once you're there that man, it's just, it's just, it just makes you feel so much more special than just like a NASA weekend. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's so cool. Well, there's a lot like of other I watch the videos. Yeah. They, they seem yeah. to they build people up. Like they're always, no matter, like yeah. you're saying, the fastest guys, like when I, they watch Cole, <clears throat> to the, you know, the, the second slowest dude out there, like it's the same enthusiasm. Like yeah. they yep. drive stoked yep. on everybody. So it's, it is, yep. it seems like such a cool environment to, I mean, I've been to them, never raced one, but you know, I've been in, yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. With, like, with Cole and that, and it's, it's a cool ride. It's cool. Yes. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully it all kind of comes together and works and, and you're able to, to get out there. I, I'm, I'm sure it's going to happen at some point. It's, oh, yeah, it's no, inevitability. Yeah, it's just no, going to happen. No choice. Yeah, I need yes. to put my, my, my big boy panties on and, and get out there. Give, give, it, <laughs> give it like two years. Like you don't have to really get serious about it for two years. Like just go out there, see what it's all about. Six and then months. On, the, on year three, <laughs> then, that's where, then that's where you can say, all right, I'm ready to put down the time. Yeah, or yeah, six yeah, months, funny, whichever works. It's funny because yeah, I told, uh, I told uh, Sean before, I was like, man, I really want you to come out. I think it'll be awesome. I think you could be the fastest Subaru. I mean, but if you don't come out, I'm going to be the fastest Subaru. So you better come out so you can be the fastest Subaru. Otherwise, I'm going to be the fastest Subaru. <laughs> and I'm okay with that, though. So, <laughs> Yes, that's true. I mean, that's exactly how I feel, too. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, as we're kind of winding down here, Sean, just definitely want to thank you for coming out uh, and, and making the time to, to get on the podcast with us here and, and, and talk about your, your process. It's been, it's been a lot of fun chatting with you. Yeah, yeah I appreciate really it. it. And, and hopefully we're going to gonna see you at some of these events. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We, we've got to get all of our cars together and, and get out there ourselves. But uh, hopefully all that's going to happen here in the next handful of months. We'll see. Definitely. It's always yeah, a process. Else, we'll, we'll see you out uh, at UMC next year with NASA. So Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Hopefully, actually, I'll, I'm doing a, a little private track day they do um, in two weeks. So you have to do some testing, and then I'm going to make the last race of the year um, nice. to test the car out for more. So. Very nice, cool. man. Heck yeah. Very excited to see what the car car puts down and yeah. Well, and, and just, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of blazed a trail. Uh, I, I don't think it's overstating to say that, that you, you kind of, you went down the path that we all go down and then you realize, well, maybe I needed to change some things around and you did. And that's kind of where your car was able to, to set the lap times and do what you did. And I mean, it's, it's, it's been an inspiration to all of us. I'm sure other people out there just like, if, if nothing else to like rethink the wheel, like this is, yeah. you know, don't, don't approach a super race car this way. Look at what, look at what Sean has, has done with his car. <laughs> don't, don't, don't apply this, this uh, like the most obvious formula to the car, you know, try something different. And so yeah, no, I, uh, I appreciate that. Thank it's very you. cool to see what you've done. Definitely. Thank you. And I cannot wait to see what the next chapter is. Absolutely. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So I'll say favorite, favorite pick, super Ryan. driver. Sorry, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. That'd be a, when you sent me like the layout of your splitter, I'm like, oh yeah. Four by eight sheets is that? 
dude it's, it's big so it's big, big man oh, my gosh. oh yeah i'm excited i'm excited and congratulations to you and Corey. thank you for i need to tell her thanks for letting you come on here and hang out with us for an hour <laughs> definitely Absolutely. Thanks, man yes <laughs> yeah all right well thanks very much sean really appreciate it uh, guys did you have any more any more last questions here for sean before we kind of wrap it up now i'm good all right well, well again thanks, sean, sean. Yes, thanks thank very you. much. Thanks for making the time. Uh, yeah. Thanks for chatting with us. And to everybody that's stuck around at the end, thank you very much for listening. And uh, until next time, as always, stay tuned with Flattering Tuning.